my friends in Christ. Last Sunday, it was the Sadducees who were trying to trap Jesus with their disingenuous question about paying taxes to Caesar. Today, it's the Pharisees who are trying to trap Jesus with their question about which of the commandments is the greatest. In both cases, Jesus shows himself to be more than their match. You'll pardon me, I hope, if I tell a story I've shared with you before, probably more than once. It's a true story. It took place years ago, many years ago, when I was attending a week-long seminar on canon law at the University of San Francisco. You can probably imagine what a stimulating week that was. Well, one afternoon, I was walking across the campus and got talking with a young woman who asked me what I was doing on campus. When I told her I was attending a week-long workshop on church law, I figured the conversation would end right there. But it didn't, quite. She wanted to know a little about church law. Did the church have many laws that she wanted to know? I told her there were quite a few, but not nearly as many as there used to be. A recent revision, I told her, which had brought me to campus to learn about it, a recent revision had trimmed the total number by more than 600. We had gone from 2,400 laws down to less than 1,800. I said that with a certain ring of satisfaction in my voice because it sounded like progress to me. Not to my young friend, however. She looked me squarely in the eye and asked, how come Jesus only had two? Now, I might have been able to give her a fairly cogent answer if I had had the time and she the patience, but I preferred simply to say, touche. To be honest, I was delighted by her question. It told me that she knew some scripture and that she knew the heart of Jesus' teaching. Not everyone does. And too often, it's the religious professionals who get lost in a, in a forest of rules and regulations. That's true now. It was true in Jesus' time as well. The religious professionals in Jesus' time had a field day with some 613 individual precepts that made up the Torah, the law of God. Rabbis loved to debate the relative importance of each of those precepts. And there was more than one school of thought. In fact, to know how a particular rabbi prioritized the laws was to know what school he belonged to. In today's passage from Matthew's Gospel, when Jesus, the rabbi, was asked by some Pharisees which commandment of the law was the greatest, Jesus allied himself with a particular school that taught that the whole law could be summarized by just two scriptural passages, one from the book of Deuteronomy, the other from the book of Leviticus. Just a word about each. The first, from Deuteronomy, contained words that were on the lips of a devout Jew every day and many times a day, a little like perhaps the sign of the cross or the Lord's Prayer or the Hail Mary might be on our lips. These words, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That Jesus told the lawyer, was the first commandment. And then 
Then he cited the book of Leviticus. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That, he said, was the second commandment. And, and this is really important. He told him it was like the first. Like the first. Scholars tell us that what was unique about Jesus' answer to the lawyer was not his citing of the two commandments from Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Other rabbis did that, many of them. What was unique was the way that Jesus joined, you might say merged, those two commandments, giving them equal footing. Neither could stand alone, he said. You really could not have the one without the other. And that, my friends, was not only new, it was radical. Jesus was saying, if you don't love your neighbor, you don't love God. Simple as that. I call this radical. It is. We may have heard it so many, so many times that it seems almost commonplace, but radical it is, my friends. For this reason, it puts God and human beings together in the same breath, the same sentence. Jesus is saying that God and human beings made in God's image and likeness are so one, so intertwined, so interconnected that even though their difference be greater than night from day, in no sense can they be separated. The implications are enormous. Religion is not only vertical between us and God, religion is horizontal between us and one another. Religion is about mass and all the sacraments, for sure, but it's just as much about the way we treat each other. It's about acceptance, patience, tolerance, forgiveness. It's about reaching out to the homeless and the hurting, the helpless and the hopeless. It's about putting ourselves and our resources on the line for others. It's even about how we vote Religion is loving God and loving neighbor. It's about seeking and finding our identity in the other, in God who is the totally other, and in our sisters and brothers who are created in God's image and likeness. Let me conclude with a little story from the Sufi mystical tradition. One day, it seems, a holy monk sat in the marketplace and watched the crippled, the beggars, and the beaten go by. Seeing them, the holy monk went down into deep prayer and cried out, Great God, how is it that a loving creator can see such things and yet do nothing about them? And out of a long silence, God said, I did do something about them. I made you. <laughs> 